0: Many years ago, um, I began my college education in Florida, and uh, as we were making our journey to Florida, to uh, Trinity College, we stopped in in Tennessee, uh, my friend and I, my friend Paul, and we were, were in this restaurant, and I looked at the menu, and on the menu, it offered grits, and here in Canada, we don't have grits. Not very often, anyway. So the waitress came over, and um, she she wanted to know what we'd like for breakfast. And I said, "What are our grits?" And she looked at me, and she says, "Grits? Well, grits is um, hmm. grits." Uh, and she looked at me, and she says, "Grits is grits." <laughs> One of those words that, you know what it is, sort of porridge-ish or something, but it's just hard to get around it and explain it, right? That's what the word joy is kind of like. It's a word we think we know, but when we try to describe it, it it's kind of hard to get our minds around it, to get our... our um, definitions around it and yet here we are this third Sunday of Advent and we're going to celebrate joy and the song that we're looking at is the song that the angels were singing when they appear to the shepherds and y- you know all around Christmas we have these kind of hallmark um, versions of the Christmas story and the shepherds are these noble characters right um, they're somehow clean to take care of these lovely white woolly animals well it it wasn't like that at all they were filthy dirty they lived outside and the sheep that they took care of they smell bad and in in the middle of kind of the humdrum existence of being a shepherd (laughs) there's all this stuff all of a sudden happens in the heavens and These are ordinary folks who are scared out of their minds. They are terrified when they hear angels talking to them. And angels do what they often do, which is they, by experience, know that they usually terrify people. And so they said, Don't be afraid. (laughs) Easy to say, right? Here they are in the middle of the fields dirty sheep dirty bodies mundane existence and they've just seen angels and the angels said to them do not be afraid for behold i bring you good news of great joy which shall be for all the people for today in the city of david there has been born for you a savior who is christ the lord it's called the gloria or the gloria in excelsis as we've looked at the some canticles of the christmas story and and here's a third one that that joins um, the list of songs that that we celebrate and learn from and in the gloria there is this this simple statement by the angels um, don't be afraid i mean if you could only understand what we want to say to you what this message is you wouldn't be afraid Uh, in fact you would understand that I am bringing you good news of great joy. Great joy. So there's the word. It occurs, I didn't count them personally, but 7,700 times in the Bible, the word joy. You you can check out your concordance. You can even find what Hebrew words, what Greek words, but 7,700 times in the Bible, the word joy shows up. The book of Psalms is just chalked full of the joy word. Even as Susan told us, Paul, in the very difficult circumstances he found himself in, often um, let joy surface as the way that he was reacting to or responding to the situation he found himself in. And so all of these times in the Bible there's this word, and especially when it comes to the message of Advent, it comes to the message of Christmas, um, the response that is evoked is the response of joy. So what do we mean by joy? And, And Susan helped us understand, what is the difference between happiness and joy? If I were simply to ask you what's another word for joy, you might quickly say, well, happiness, and yet it's not quite a good enough word to explain joy so i want to take you back to what we talked about last week a little bit and and then we'll come full circle to the notion of the great joy that advent brings to us or that christmas brings to us so if you remember last week we talked about the fact that the human person is made up of three parts and that's supported by the Bible itself as well as our notions of psychology and anthropology and so on. In in the Bible, um, we saw that Paul said that he wanted God to sanctify his followers wholly, completely, in body, soul, and spirit, in all three parts. Uh, we saw last week that that Mary, when she sang her song of joy, she talked about what was happening in her spirit as well as what was happening in her soul. And so let me remind you of what the soul is and then what the spirit is because what I'd like you to understand this morning for all of us to understand is that happiness belongs to the soul. Joy belongs to the spirit. So just hang on to that little premise and we'll come back to it that happiness belongs in the soul or it travels in the soul, whereas joy belongs in the spirit or it travels in the spirit. So when we talked about the notion of soul, uh, we thought that it has three components. So the first component of the person's soul, a person's soul, is a component of will. It is how you decide what you decide. It is what you have turned yourself towards what you have geared yourself towards what you have prepared yourself for what you've decided to do the second aspect of soul is your intellect and that is the sum total of all of the things that you've learned all the things that you know my little excursion into a school in florida um was an interesting one i was there to learn um but it did not turn out so well. My, my friend Paul and I got thrown out of that college. It, it wasn't our fault. And I'll explain it to you someday how it happened. But um, one of the things that was, was happening for us was that we felt as though we weren't learning what we had set out to learn. We thought it would be, be a good deal, right? We, we would do our part. We'd show up to a college where we could learn things, and to our delight, across the road from the college was the beach. And there was only a set of classes in the morning, not in the afternoon, so it was perfect. We would study in the morning and go to the beach in the afternoon. Except when we got there, it was a school of very strict rules, and they said you can't go to the beach, ever. So that kind of messed up our plans on that side. And then on, on the front side, we felt as though we probably ought to get serious about learning. And so we made our, our way to Philadelphia where we would not be tempted by any beach or any such thing and learn more significantly. But, but we were paying attention to our intellect, to, to what we knew, what we were to learn. The third aspect of the soul is the realm of emotions, and that's where we come to the word happiness because we'd probably say happiness is an emotion. It's simply um, a word describing how we feel. How do you feel? I feel good, I feel bad, I feel happy, I feel sad. And when we understand that the soul um, is subject to things externally um, in, in the matter of emotions, then as Susan has sh- shown us, that w- when things change, our emotions are pretty fickle, uh, and, and they get shifted around depending on what is happening around us. Those are the emotions. But when we go to the will um, and think about how the will is useful in the soul, it is useful to this extent. Um, the will is the part in the soul in which you decide who will be the boss, who's in charge. And that brings us to the matter of the spirit because in the human spirit, there is the aspect or the component of the conscience. So that gets into some some deeper consideration. It's not uh, just facts or knowledge that we've thought about in the soul, but it's it's actually something in us that has a sense of rightness and wrongness. The second aspect of the spirit is intuition. There are things quite apart from the intellect, quite apart from the things that we have known, even that we have observed or can prove, that we somehow know. It's kind of innate. We know some things. And finally, the aspect of communion is that that reminds us that the spirit is the realm in which we commune with god so this is being a little more clinical than we maybe need to be there there may be some overlap but to to try to understand the distinction between the soul and the spirit um, we come to the spirit and say it in the spirit is the ability to be in a relationship with God. And that, of course, has to do with conscience and intuition, certainly communion. The Holy Spirit, and there's where we get a little bit confused in the terminology, the Holy Spirit works with our spirit. And we're actually told that in the Bible, that the spirit tells us, tells our spirit that we're the children of God and and so on. and and so the the realm of the human person in which there is a connection to God is the realm of the spirit, the human spirit and very notably from the Trinity's point of view the Holy Spirit is the one who is the communicator between the human spirit and God's spirit and so we find communion um, being part of the realm of the spirit what about joy? Well, as I've said, when we think about the soul, um, the operative piece there is the piece of the will. And as I mentioned to you last week, this this writer, Watchman Nee, um, talks about the fact that um, there's this ongoing struggle about which part of us is going to be in control. And in fact, the soul um, kind of... um, struggles with the spirit to be in control sometimes even we might say well the body takes over and tries to take control of the whole person watchman nee's contention is that the spiritual man the spiritual person is one in whom the spirit is in charge the spirit is in charge of the soul the spirit is in charge of the body and only to the degree that the soul submits its will so that the human person makes sure that the spirit is always the part of him or her that's in charge now I I don't think it's a once and for all situation you don't get to a point in your life where you say okay from now on I'm going to be controlled by the spirit not the soul Uh, and and nor is it um, even kind of a fixed Reality where you might say well um, for the most part i'm a spiritual person not a soulish person or i honestly i'm a soulish person not a spiritual person we all vacillate to some degree but i think the notion of of growth and maturity and spirituality in the new testament is the notion that the more we pay attention to the spirit the more we are getting close to god and the most wonderful thing is that God has made us this this three part entity um, with a single desire that transcends all of the other things that that we would wonder about and talk about in life and and the supreme desire that God has is to have communion with us. He wants to be in a relationship with us, and we will see. That the spirit being in charge of the person, being in charge of the soul and the body, is going to augur for the person's ability to enjoy what God has provided for him, provided him to be. Um, There's a wonderful book that I've been reading, um, uh, and it's called The Great Dance. And it's the story of what God has been wanting to do and is actually doing. What God has always wanted is to bring us into a relationship with him. And if if we were to try to describe what that relationship is, um, Jesus parses it out for us in the Gospel of John, notably. And he tells us that what's going to happen is that we will be with God like he is with God. And we will have a relationship with God with one another that is very similar to the relationship that God has with himself. And it, it twists our heads to try to understand that. Um, but the great dance is, is the truth that in, in the beauty of who God is, what he has wanted to do is step out of himself and do what will be necessary that we can be part of that dance. Actually, the language of John is, is very mystical, and, and we might think, how can we dare to say this, that we will be in them as the Father is in Jesus, and he is in Jesus, and we are also in him. How can that all be true? Well, it, it can be true, because what God has always wanted is to invite us into the life that he had with the Father, in fact when he's praying john chapter 17 he says i want them to be with me to see the glory that i had with you before the foundation of the world i want them to see the glory that i had with you what is glory it's another one of those words like grits or joy glory if if we were to say that somehow or other it is it is the the environment of the being of God. So I've just even made it more cluttered to try to understand it. But when we think about the glory of God and the, and the person of God, what I'll suggest to you is that the word that might describe best what their relationship is like is the word joy. The relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit is a relationship that we might call Joy. It is absolute, reckless, intense, deep, loving joy. Um, it is play. It is, it is a marvel. Um, and Jesus says, here I am, and we know why I've come. But I long for the time when I'll be able to bring them to be with us to see my glory and to enjoy my glory he gives us little hints as we saw a few weeks ago um, Jesus said you can ask the father for anything I, I don't mean that I will ask him on your behalf I mean he loves you and you have loved me and, and you're already entering into the celebration of who we are into the dance of the Trinity, the the dance of God. And what all happened and, and the story of the incarnation is the marvelous story of God becoming a human so that we might become a fellowship member in the Trinity. I say that very carefully. We do not become God, um, but we actually are given entrance into the fellowship of the, de- of, of, of the trinity. And, and Jesus left the trinity, left, left the joy and became a man. And before that, he wasn't a man, but he became fully human. And he did all that was necessary that he would experience humanness. Even the great challenge that there was to our fellowship with God which is our sinfulness, our brokenness he came into the middle of all of that he became one of us in every single way and he did all of that so that he could invite us back into the dance of the Father and one of the marvels of the incarnation is that when Jesus left earth he didn't leave being a human being he didn't leave being physical he he left and went back to the father in a different sense in which he was with with the father from all of eternity in the past so there is now in the dance of the trinity a human being there was never a human being at the dance before there is now and we are represented by him Invited into the dance invited into the joy of the Trinity the joy of the glory of the Father just to explore that I think is, is a marvelous thing to, to try to imagine what it would mean to feel the joy of being God um, always and always and always in eternity past enjoying delighting in who you are Delighting in what you've created. Um, another book that I read talked about the notion that w- when God looks at what he has made, um, he, he loves it. He's, he's enthralled with it. It brings him joy. So the idea that when the sun rises, uh, it's the Father, it's God, the Trinity saying to the Son, do it again. Do it again for the joy of of the sunrise all of the daisies this writer says every one of them different from the rest because God loves and takes joy and delight in that daisy in the next daisy in the next one and so he takes delight in all of us all of those whom he has created he has now completely and thoroughly opened the way for us to be part of the great dance of God with his humankind. Where does joy live? Joy, not a person, but joy. Joy doesn't live in the soul as an emotion. Joy lives in the spirit as communion. And to the degree that we would rather be people of joy than happiness we will have to employ the will of the soul to let the spirit be in charge. Now, the soul is going to fight against that, and the body is going to fight against that. Paul knew all about that when he talked about um, you know, what, what in his intellect he could agree with and try to accomplish. But then he would find that there were things that went wrong, In in fact, his body began to resist what his soul was telling it to do. His soul was resisting its, its, its own intellectual apprehension. And, and Paul says, when, when I agreed in my head that the law is a good thing, all of a sudden I realized I couldn't do it. And he, he said, I'm a wretched person. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? so he, he, he's thinking about the, the parts of, of his humanness he's got a body, he's got a soul and he says I'm, I'm in this awful struggle and then he says there is freedom now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus to those who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit and that's the genius right there those who walk not according to the flesh and the flesh is the combination the fallen combination of the body and the soul where our emotions are tainted our, our will is tainted um, our, our intellect is tainted and they need to be brought under control and the way that they are brought under control is to allow the spirit to be what is in charge And then in behind the human spirit is the Holy Spirit who comes to give us gifts and gives us abilities. And we find that he has a fruit for us. And again, we round back to the the word joy. And one of the aspects of the fruit of the spirit is joy, love, joy, peace, and so on. Well, joy does not belong as an emotion of the soul. It belongs as a provision to the spirit. And by the Holy Spirit, we're given joy. So if in the middle of the doldrums of of the pandemic and in the middle of the gloom of this present age, we long for joy, we might mistake our longing for happiness. And we might try to travel in the realm of the soul uh, to attain happiness. And yet that happiness is going to be basically preyed upon the circ- by the circumstances in which we find ourselves. The happiness that we might try to grab and, and, and grasp and, and find again is going to be chipped away at by the next thing that comes along and threatens to make us sad instead of happy, make us gloomy instead of anything else. And in all of this, we would need to have a regular discipline of saying, well, but who's in charge of me right now? Who's in charge of how mm, I as a human being am dealing with the living of life? Is the spirit in charge or the soul or the body? And if we long to be people of joy, we would only be able to be those people of joy if we allow the spirit to be in control. And the wonderful thing is is that when, when we find that there's certainly substance to the spirit having joy, there is a, a promise of the provision of joy as it comes as a gift or fruit by the Holy Spirit. So today as we jump into this and say, what's all the stuff of this joy? Well, well the stuff of joy is the stuff of the community that is god himself in an incredible dance inviting us to join him in that dance forever and forever and forever to thoroughly enjoy god the chief end of man is what if you remember your catechism the chief end of god is the chief end is man of man is to glorify god and enjoy him forever isn't that an interesting combination of course it's to glorify god of course it's to extol him of course it's to thank him for who he is but it's also to enjoy him forever did you ever think about heaven and all that there is future as being actually um unrequited joy c.s lewis um to, calls himself a person who was dragged kicking and screaming into the kingdom of God. He, he was convinced that it was all true, but he, he was greatly surprised by what he found in belief. So he wrote a book, Surprised by Joy. The last thing he expected was joy, and yet the thing that he thoroughly experienced was sheer Joy to glorify God and to enjoy him forever Um, surprised by joy and then to realize that forever and forever and forever um, the thing that we sometimes have difficulty defining is going to be our experience every moment of every day absolute sheer joy in the presence of God it will, of course, be rid of all of the things that have caused us to be gloomy, all of the things that have caused us to be sad, but, but they won't even be on the radar because we will be people who are set free into the glory of the children of God, who are in this incredible dance with God where God said, of course, it would be my nature because I am a community in myself. It would be my nature to... To involve another community and so God calls us to join him and to join him in his glory with the son and the spirit in an experience that we might simply call joy absolute sheer joy so whatever is our experience these days whatever circumstances bring our way there is joy that is waiting for us joy the like of which we can hardly imagine Um, but when we go back to the angels and the shepherds um, what the angels say to the shepherds is that the joy that is their portion is a joy because of what God has done what God will do and what God is doing all of the work that God has been doing all of the things that, things that he will do he, he He is doing And Advent is the celebration of that is saying um, there's great news it's, it's great news of sheer joy the, the, that all that has ever been intended is being accomplished by the coming of our Savior by the coming of God as a man so that he might be in our midst being all that we are so that we can, he can set us into the freedom of the joy of the trinity that has always been and that we now get to be part of so, so there certainly is joy that's ahead of us and just imagining what that joy will be like I, I think is kind of a fun thing um but there's joy that's available to us even in the middle of all of this one of the ways i know that is that the fruit of the spirit is joy and so if i am lacking joy and if if i've sorted myself out to the point that i can honestly say that as as a discipline as a reality of my life i'm i'm employing my will to let the Spirit be in charge. So, so I'm 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 doing that not once and for all, but on a daily basis. If so, and I'm living in the Spirit by the Spirit, it is absolutely within my grasp to be able to ask the Spirit for joy. And if if we're struggling with that, that's a promise of the Bible. And I know that in the middle of of this circumstance, we have depression, we have gloominess, we have weariness, we have bleakness. And even depending on our personalities in the realm of our soul, we all deal differently with these circumstances. Some people are able to muster enough strength to get through. Some people are saying they just don't even know if they can get through nonetheless um, in the spirit we're able to ask the Holy Spirit to give us joy absolutely to give us love and peace and all the other things we need but maybe the thing we need to do this morning is say alright if that's true I need joy I want to ask the Holy Spirit for joy and when it comes and you've, you've all felt it and experienced it it's it it's not explainable. It's something that wells up inside. It's something actually that defies the circumstances. It's something where you think, Wow, what is this that I'm experiencing? Because it, it doesn't make any sense. It wells up in the middle of difficulty. It wells up in the middle of challenge. It, it wells up in in the middle of hardships. And certainly as, as a pastor over the years, time and time and time again, I have people declare to me that what they have experienced is joy. It's all that they can call it. And it usually defies their circumstances in, in, a, in a pastoral discussion that, that I'm having with them. And I'll say, well, where does that joy come from? Where does that, that deep, settled peace comes from? They say, I don't know. I didn't expect that it would come but it did it it all of a sudden came maybe in your imagination um, there needs to be a place and and times when you just go back into the stuff about the dance and about that's what, what God wants for you he wants you to have incredible joy and to imagine what it will be like when we are rid of not only this pandemic but the pandemic of sin and fallenness and brokenness. Imagine when it's out out of the way, when there's no more trouble, no more sickness, nothing for you to worry about and and wonder around the corner about what the next thing is that's going to come along. Um, To just imagine what it will be like. Um, I love the... uh, Chronicles of Narnia and in the last battle which is the last part of the the Chronicles what C.S. Lewis says is this the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them and for us this is the end of all the stories and we can say most truly that they all lived happily ever after but for them It was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Doesn't that sound like joy? Every chapter better than the one before. Where we realize it'll be if 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 that was joyful, if I felt as though I was bursting with that, think of the fact that the next chapter will be even more joyful. It'll get better and better and better. We feel as though this is an eternity. These months feel like an eternity. Life feels like an eternity, and yet it's not is brief. It is a breath. And it it is not even the first chapter of the rest of the story. So joy is not a sort of vague notion. It's not a trick. Um, It's not a way to manage how I feel. It is a provision of God now that will be a foretaste of what he always wanted for us and he has made it possible the dance is on the dance has started the son has gone back home to the father and he with the spirit are waiting to bring us along with them and say the music has started the dance is on and here we are this is glory it's joy so do we have to do we certainly have to make sure our will submits and that the spirit is in charge all the time and then we subject the soul and the body to the spirit and we from the Holy Spirit receive the communion with God that tells us this is true and I think that's where this notion of intuition comes in is that even as we talk about these things, something in us knows it's true, doesn't it? I mean there's something in us that longs for, and that's Lewis's other great theme, the longing. What do we long for? Well, his great surprise was that what he had longed for, he didn't think faith would bring him, and yet it did he was surprised by joy I hope that you'll be surprised by joy in this Advent, in the middle of all of this I hope that you'll understand the difference between happiness and joy that the circumstances can crush our happiness, but they can't crush joy Um, joy is a priceless commodity it is worth asking for it's worth looking for it's worth discovering Because every chapter is even better than the chapter before.